This is Sergeant Pierce Lang. I'm recording this because I want something on record if anything happens to me. I know I'm on U.S. soil. I know we're not at war. At least no kind of war that I know of. Still, given the circumstances, I thought it best to explain some things I've learned up until now. I've never seen anything like it. It was the strangest way for everything to look normal. I think people call that surreal. My unit was the first to pull up to the edge of the bubble around Charlotte, North Carolina. We called it the bubble not because it looked like that, but because there was an invisible barrier that surrounded the city. We found out the hard way that it was impenetrable. When we were first driving up to the city in the military motorcade, we were moving along at a pretty good pace, about 50 miles an hour. We were almost into the city limits when the front vehicle smashed to a dead stop. The soldier driving, Corporal Thames, flew through the windshield and stopped dead in the air, and I mean literally dead in the air. His head crossed the unseen barrier first and stopped frozen in time and unable to move. The rest of him smashed against the immovable pieces of himself, only a fraction of a second in front of him. His own brain crashed against his own brain. He's still dangling there, hung from his head, frozen in time, like a corpse hanging from some medieval wall as a warning to would-be attackers. That was nearly four weeks ago. We've been observing the phenomenon since then, studying its effects, trying to figure out what to do about it, how to help the people inside. Most people inside are safe as far as we can guess. They're just frozen in time like Corporal Tem's face. What we can't figure out so far is why some aren't frozen in time. There's five. A woman and four men. Henry, Jones, Karen, and Aaron. They've explored every nook and cranny of the city from what we can tell. They must be terrified. Seeing everyone and everything around them as still as a paused moment in their favorite movie is unnerving to say the least. What are they going through? What are they thinking? Does that frozen lightning in the sky terrify them? Why is the sky purple, pink, or blue only over the city? We just have too many questions and hardly no answers. Professor Tennyson has been here since day one. He's some sort of government genius that they bring in for this kind of unusual thing. Based on what I can tell, he's just an intelligent guesser. He said we'd be fine entering the city. Tim's confirmed that hypothesis wrong with his life. What else is Tennyson wrong about? He's claiming now that this will all be over when the lightning retreats into the sky. That's only a few more minutes from now. Don't get me wrong, I hope he's right, because we don't know anything after a month of study. I'm waiting at the edge of the barrier to get in. Hopefully it won't kill me. I'd prefer someone else to go, but orders are orders, and someone's got to be on the front line for the evacuation unit. I've been messing with the barrier when no one was around on my patrols. It started with tossing a rock into it and watching it freeze in midair. At first it was intriguing, even funny. But now I know that messing with time is possible and that thought, it terrifies me. 
After drinking that realization off, I came back. I fired some shots from my sidearm into the grass. The bullets froze just like the rock, but a piece of metal ricocheted back at me. Upon closer inspection, I saw that the bullet had been sheared off. It looked like one piece of the bullet is at one time inside the bubble, but the rest of the bullet is here in this time, moving at this time's pace. So the back of the bullet rams the back of the frozen piece, forcing it to fly off from pressure. It may as well have been hitting a tank. That's why I know what happened to Thames, even though the scientist boys are still trying to figure it out. What scares me the most, though, is the possibility that he's been alive inside the bubble this whole time. His head is nearly completely inside the barrier. Meanwhile, his body on this side is completely dead flesh. It has no brain directing it, and time on our side is normal, so his body has aged and decayed like any other body would without a brain. I tried putting a speaker in the barrier. It went in about two inches, then it stopped. The time freezing it on one side allowed it to just appear to be floating in place like a fly stuck in invisible amber. I turned it on full blast, but the sound at the back of the speaker just reflected back out to me. It couldn't penetrate the edge. As for the sound on the other side, or if there even was sound, well, that's anyone's guess. The song I played was Time in a Bottle. It seemed appropriate. I've taken extra steps to ensure that my recording and I survive. I'm in full bomb disposal gear, and I'm ignoring my commander's threats to demote me for being out of my ordered uniform. He only knows what he's told, and that's very little. I'm taking the precautions that I believe will protect me. My recording equipment is firmly held within a foam encasement that is airtight. The recording device that I'm using now is your normal run-of-the-mill Bluetooth headset in my right ear. It'll be just a few seconds now. The lightning is almost gone. The speaker at the command tent a couple hundred yards back is counting down. You should be able to hear the loudspeaker. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Oh god. Oh no. I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. That's it, Professor Tennyson. That's where it ends. That's amazing. I wish this soldier would have shared with us what he knew. We could have used the info. I could have used his methodical mind as a military liaison. I suppose it doesn't matter either way. Why's that, sir? Oh, that's right. You weren't here, were you? You're one of the replacements. None of us knew what was going to happen when the lightning was gone. As soon as it was gone, the thunderous clap that normally follows lightning hit. Except it was all the sounds that had been going on inside there for the last months. Did anyone inside the anomaly get hurt? Not from the sound, no. It seems that time caught up with some of the five, and they died from injuries they somehow had accumulated. The sound must have been muffled somehow inside the barrier. Out here, though, out here it was the loudest thing I have ever heard. All the soldiers on the front line turned to dust molecules and disappeared. 
Everyone further back went temporarily deaf, including me. We found the sergeant's recorder, but he was gone, vaporized by the sound blast. My god, that's, that's shocking. What, what do we do, Professor? What do we do? We wait. But how long? The second lightning strike is longer. By our count, it'll be a year before this one disappears. In the meantime, I hope that young lady in there stays smart and doesn't lose it. Young lady? I thought there were two survivors inside moving after the deaths of the others. Uh, a man and a woman. At first we thought so too, but then he froze, like everybody else, with the beginning of the second strike. No, she's all alone. Is there anything we can do to help her? As the sergeant so eloquently stated, we can't even get through the barrier, so there isn't much we can do. We'll keep studying the anomaly from out here, but that's it. We can't send in help. Even unmanned drones will stop like a fly in amber when they try to pass the edge of the barrier. They'll be in the same terrible position as Tim's. I can't even imagine what he went through. No, we have no other choice. No other choice but to wait a very long year. Something that only requires patience on our part. But for that young lady in there, that will be truly remarkable if she can survive. 